with these intro tracks, these pieces of music, laying them down there. Kind of little Easter eggs for people. Um, I'm not going to tell them what any of these songs are, but I reckon today's, if you know, you know. See, because I don't really listen to the show back after we've recorded <laughs> it, when you said that, I just assumed that you'd been playing the Cheeky Girl songs <laughs> at every intro. Maybe I do, maybe I don't. <laughs> Uh, this one's a fairly obvious one. I hope, hopefully, people get it. But um, here we go. Another week, another show. Welcome to Good Movie Monday. It's great to have you here. We are the weekly podcast dedicated to nerdy cinematic ramblings. My name's Glenn Cochran, and my ever reliable co-host Ben Helwig. How are you, mate? I'm good. <laughs> I'm glad you. I, I like that you called me that when you're actually recording a day early because <laughs> because of my unreliability. <laughs> You're like a drawstring on a curtain, mate. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> How are things with you? They're good. They're good. Got any, uh, uh, got any news to kick us off with? Well, look, you know, this weekend, we just had MonsterFest Weekender 3D, which... Uh, How'd that go? It was fantastic. Uh, big turnout. Everyone enjoyed the films. 3D was great. It was good to see... What I really liked about it is that, for the most part, a lot of the films I actually haven't seen... In 3D. Like, I've never seen the 3D versions. Awesome. I think the only one that I think I've actually seen in 3D was My Bloody Valentine 3D, which Uh I saw theatrically when it came out. Yeah. But I don't even know if the other ones Mm. got theatrical releases, or at least not while I was... Yeah. They might have had had one of those dodgy, flimsy DVD releases with the paper fucking glasses in the back. Yeah. (laughs) Well, that was the local release of My Bloody Valentine 3D. Yeah, I've got all those. They did it with the... They, Lionsgate totally cheaped out and did that one. In America, they got the proper 3D. <laughs> yeah. We already yeah. had 3D TVs. So we yeah. could, you know... But they... Oh, here's the dodgy one that will give you a headache. I've got a drawer full of uh, 3D specs. All kinds. Oh, fantastic. Yeah. Branded ones. I've got, like I think I said the other week, real specs with the red yeah. and the green. Yeah. Like, <laughs> and then you steal all those ones from the cinema when you went and saw Avatar or whatever. You, you oh, yeah, you keep those yeah, ones. Yeah, because ones. they charge you $2 a pop when you <laughs> when you want to get them, so you bring your own. You're yeah. like, oh, no, I've got my own. <laughs> That's right. And then you do your Clark Kent <laughs> Superman thing with them because they're those right. kind of glasses. Hang on. They say Shark Boy Lava Girl. This is Avatar. What are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> you mean it's not the red and green? <laughs> Well, let's, have you ever tried to bring back, you know, where they would do the um, the novelty popcorn uh, boxes? Oh, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Like, you know, you yeah. get, like, the Avengers or the Hulk. Yes. You come back in with that and you go, no, 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 <laughs> fill this up. <laughs> Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Batman Returns. <laughs> so, the, you know, the, <laughs> the salt in the bottom's gone a bit funny. But <laughs> that's right. I don't care. Yeah, the popcorn's green, but that's okay. <laughs> Fused to the bottom. It's like, it's like if you open a pack of you know footy cards from when you were a kid now, and you you keep looking at that gum, going, "I'm sure, it's, I'm sure it's fine." <laughs> How off can it be? It's gum. I mean, they say when it stays in your intestines for like twenty years, which apparently they've disproven. But um, that oh. was always the rumor that if you swallowed your gum, it stayed in you. So. If it could stay and it could be okay in your stomach, how can it not be okay in the pack of <laughs> footy cards? 
my theory on that was like you, the, the, the gum in the stomach thing was always like gum being flushed down the toilet. It gets stuck in the S-bend <laughs> and like it just, it's got too much weight to go further. Yeah. I don't know. There's no, just... no juice cleansers getting that out after that. <laughs> just shove a pipe cleaner down my throat. Yeah. You need to do what the... Have you ever said at one time we had to... We got a plumber out at Monster because the, the toilet had been clogged. Like ben, not, not through ben. to not through anyone using it. It was just one of oh, those yeah. kind of like a pipe cl- cloggy thing. And basically, what he had <laughs> was just a giant pipe cleaner I know. on a I know <laughs> like on a machine that just. I was yeah. like, this is like literally. I mean, it, but could you have done it? No. <laughs> See, no. He's the man with the pipe cleaner. <laughs> he came. He, he went from the drain outside. He went. He went the other way. He didn't go down through the toilet. He went the other. He went from the pipe outside. Fair to say this conversation went in the direction I did not expect it to. Hey, if there's a way for me to bring it back to toilet things, you know I will do it. <laughs> that is true. We should actually just rename the Good Poop Monday. <laughs> Nothing beats a good poop on Nothing a Monday. Good at, I mean, I tell you what. <laughs> and this show is shit. <laughs> it's like, I don't look, there is nothing, there is nothing more pleasurable than if you like if you're busting to go for a piss <laughs> and then you go, that feeling of relief. And release. Mm-hmm. Nothing feels better than that. No food, no orgasm, no nothing <laughs> feels better than that. <sighs> well, you know what? Look, I'm going to admit something here. This confession. I have been binging Bluey lately. Right, just grown man in my forties. Hang on, late um, at night, binging Bluey, the TV bl- show. Bluey is in Barjas Bluey. No, Bluey is in the kids' show about the little blue healer dog. You know the cartoon <laughs> that's like that's gone around the world. It's gangbusters. It's Freaking great. The, the lead singer from Custard is the voice of the dad. Anyway, I've been watching that and this reminded me because there's that episode where they go to a public toilet and the dad's like, Bluey, <laughs> why are you still in there? And Bluey's like, well, I went to take a pee, but it came out of poo. <laughs> I'm like, well, we can all relate. It's the most relatable show on television, mate. Well, that's, you know, they're saying that apparently um, the amount, it's increasing the percentage of men who are now sitting down to pee is like is increasing. I don't know. Ah, how, I thought I you were going to say the amount of men sitting down to watch Bluey. <laughs> <laughs> no. Oh damn. No, you're on your own. There, mate. <laughs> it's like it's not you know it's not like uh, aerobics Oz style where you, it was understandable why all the dads were watching it or like Agro's Cartoon Connection when uh, you know <laughs> Teresa was the host or or Sophie. <laughs> Sophie Lee, you're like, that's why all the dads are watching it. There's no reason for you to be watching uh, Bluey. Well, I will show you a clip after this and you'll see there is a reason and you are going to binge the shit out of it. But the percentage of men who are sitting down <laughs> to pee is increasing. I would love to know how they, they're picking up that stat. Yes. Like, are they putting sensors in toilet seats? And who admits to it? But I reckon it's because, you know, sometimes sometimes a pee turns into a poo. That's right. You know, you can... See? What is it? How is it they say? You can... <laughs> you can... You can... <laughs> Yeah, doing number ones doesn't always mean number twos, but doing number twos always means number ones. <laughs> what is happening to this show? Uh, well, we do have a great show, people, I assure you, so do keep listening because it's not it's not all this. <laughs> or, or will it be? Just <laughs> hand me that pipe cleaner. We'll see, <laughs> we'll see about that. We'll see about um, the video content this week. One thing I do love to do on this show is pick the brains of all kinds of creatives from actors, writers, directors and whatnot. And today I've got a great guest. I'm going to be uh, picking the brain of Aristomenes Tabas. Long name, he prefers to be called Many. <laughs> so Many to Bass. <laughs> I, it, it's funny, you, like, you look at interviews online of people trying to <laughs> get his name right. Aristomenes to Bass. So anyway, this is a fantastic guest. That's when you use the word mate. 
G'day, mate. How's it going? Yeah, thanks for joining us. In, in the case of Canadians, that's Buddy. Buddy, yeah. Hey, Buddy. This guy, though, he's a special effects wizard who's worked on like heaps of movies. In fact, going right back to a couple of movies that we would appreciate, which would be uh, Brain Scan from 94. He was a special effects artist on Demons 3 back in 97. Demons and, 3? Uh, no, it was, um, it, was, it was Night of the Demons as a whole, it's a whole different thing. <laughs> <laughs> so, and then he also went on to do little things like Titanic and Hellboy and Never heard of <laughs> Dogma. Uh, back in 2007, he made uh, a really cool animated film called Battle for Terror, um, which was a pretty big deal at the time. And now he has this live-action family sci-fi adventure that's just been released called Timescape. And if you listen to last week's show... Uh, ben, Jared and myself had a bit of a, a discussion about Timescape because there happens to be a, a movie from the 90s which you have to <laughs> it's called Timescape. Uh, what, was it, what was the, uh, the alternative title that um, Jared said? I can't remember. Far out. It's like some travel thing. Yeah, I know it was a disaster in time but it was something something, and that was a subtitle, a disaster in time. Gra- Grand Tourist or something like that. Yeah. Like, yeah. yeah. Anyway, I always prefer Timescape. <laughs> I've, I've, I've only ever known it as Timescape and I refuse to watch it as anything else. Grand Tour, A Disaster in Time. That's right. the other title. Which when I talked to David Tui on the show like a year and a half, two years ago and mentioned that film, he called it by that name. Yeah. Like, Timescape was not his title. So anyway, hang around for that chat. It's going to be fun. We also have the regular spot from the Bonehead Weekly Podcast uh, and in a moment, our physical media update with Jarrett. Um, and at some point, we're going to attempt to play another game similar to last week. Uh, we'll see how we go with that. <laughs> I think Ben's come up with another banger. And um, yeah, well, uh, the look he's giving me right now is, did I? <laughs> 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 we're going to have to go back through the chats to find out what that game what is. What that game was, yeah. <laughs> but um, also, what I say every week, uh, lend us your support. Go and subscribe to all of our social media pages. If you haven't already, invite your friends. Help spread the word. Tell them that we are the go-to podcast for all things movies and the cinematic family. <laughs> and drop a comment on the way out too. Yeah. Should we, um, we drag Jared into this? Let's do it. Yeah, but before we do bring Jarrett into the show, let's quickly talk about Newsly, the super app that we want you to get on your phone so you can listen to our show. That way, they support us, so please help us support them. It is a super app. It has all of the news from around the world. They grab it from over 80 different countries. Whatever the highest trending articles are, they put into your phone according to the way you set it up. So whether you like sports or you like politics, you might like uh, entertainment, Newsly has you covered. They also have a premium service and we can get you an entire month of that for free if you use our exclusive code MONDAY without the O-M-N-D-A-Y. The Newsly app, you can also get all the podcasts from pretty much everywhere on there and that's, of course, how you should be listening to us already. So if that's the case, this message is pointless. And if you haven't got it, get it. Newsly.me. Alrighty, well, Jarrett, we're going to drag you in. How are you, mate? I'm great, you know, just recovering from the hangover of Monster Fest weekend at 3D in Melbourne and preparing for the next one. Ben said it was an awesome, awesome weekend. It was terrific, you know, it's a rare that we have a Monster Fest go without a hitch, but I think we had all the hitches on the way to the festival, so, you know, it was smoother sailing when the festival actually happened. <laughs> awesome. Um, what else is news? Is there much coming out this week? Should we jump oh. straight into it, or do you want to yeah, no, ramble well, for a I... while? <laughs> Well, actually, no. Yeah, I wouldn't. I wouldn't mind rambling a little. Uh, I would. <laughs> Please. I um. I will. Uh, well, I've 
look, let's be honest. There's actually nothing coming out on home entertainment <laughs> this week. The only stuff that's coming out is all JB exclusive steel books of shit that you don't need to own. And the steel books are hideous. So I won't even go and mention what they are. So I've got a bunch of news to tell you about home entertainment. And that will bring me back to a point of discussion that probably has nothing to do with home entertainment and possibly with some YouTube personality or something of that nature. <laughs> but um, some news. Okay, so this is exciting. Studio Canal have got a bunch of 4K Ultra HDs coming out this October. So this is the first time these films have been released on 4K UHD. They haven't even announced these releases overseas yet. So I really hope they hold their date of October 11th here in Australia. But, you know, there's the likelihood that one or two might drop out. But the, the key one I want to mention is Jim Jamoosh 1998 Ghost Dog Way of the Samurai coming to 4K Ultra HD, which is great. And just a heads up, lads, that movie last week you were trying to think of, The Dead Don't Die. That's the Jim Jamoosh Zomcom that was a piece of shit. Yeah, yeah it wasn't good. <laughs> and Ben, you recently bumped into Jim Jamoosh at Khan, did you not? I did. I did. Well, I, I pointed him out to Kim, who then... Uh... <laughs> who uh, who chased him down like a dog in the street. <laughs> <laughs> I saw the photo and I love the backstory of how it all occurred. It was terrific. Yeah, it was great. <laughs> but there's a couple of That, that made her coming... Khan, I believe. That made Oh, her... yeah, definitely. Well, it was the post that, that got the most too. likes. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> there's a couple other 4K UHDs coming from Studio Canal on that date of October 11th. There's U571, the submarine action movie. Who wanted that? Who wants that? Well, I remember I when it came out on DVD, it was early days of DVD and it was a reference quality DVD for the audio. But yeah, you're right. Now in this day and age, unless it has a reference quality Dolby Atmos track, it's kind of like, <laughs> who was asking for this movie? And really? Look, it's not really timely to be releasing submarine I mean, movies. Yeah, when, yeah, where's the <laughs> no, K-19 video maker? Uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> or blow. Yeah, or below. Oh, yeah, or... true, true. So there's a couple others coming. One I'm can, actually happy about. One, one yeah. second, can I just acknowledge the fact that we just referenced two David Tui movies on two weeks in a row? <laughs> yeah, you're <laughs> right. It's yeah. true. What a reoccurring. <laughs> Sounds like you need to get him on the show, Glenn. Well, we've had him on the show. Oh, true. That was some time ago. They get him back and do a retrospective. Right. <laughs> but there's um, there's another title coming out, the film that sunk Karolko back in the day, Cutthroat Island with Gina Davis and... Matthew Modine. Yeah. It's coming out of 4K Ultra HD. So when you say who's asking for U571, also who's asking for Cutthroat Island? <laughs> I want to you know? think that Cutthroat Island would probably have more traction now than it did then. I feel like there's been more pirate movies since. I was going to say, I yes. think, I think yeah, Pirates of the Caribbean rips it off quite heavily. And it's actually not that bad of a film. It's oh, just it's not a, It's definitely not a terrible film, but it, it's beautiful that we had these movies come out in the mid-90s, like Waterworld, and both of these films were commercial failures. And in the yeah. instance of Waterworld, it's found its audience over time to the fact that it's been released countless times now on Blu-ray and 4K Ultra HD and some incredible editions as and well. And yet we have and... not got a release of Nathan Hayes yet. Savage Islands. No, no. No, I just uh, I just read about that actually recently because I learned that someone I know in Sydney's father acted in it, which blew my mind. And yeah. it's got the, that movie's got the rip-off scene from um, Temple of oh, Doom. Both Temple of Doom. Movies were yeah. made at the same time and they have an identical scene on the. Is bridge. that the bridge scene? Yeah, yeah, right. yeah, yeah, yeah. Who ripped it off? Cool. Because they both were in production at the same time. That's insane. And it was shot, you know, around in and around New Zealand. It has a lot of New Zealand cast and that. I remember Ben loaned me his Roadshow Home Video VHS of it so I could actually see it. Yeah. It Written was, by John Hughes. A lot of I fun. Actually, yeah, I actually John Hughes blew my mind. 
Yeah, that's right. I posted a picture of it on Instagram of that tape. And the daughter of the director got in touch to say, thanks for talking about my dad's movies. It's great that people still, you know, remember it. He goes, he'd be wrapped. <laughs> that's crazy, yeah. Who was the director? Yeah. I can't. Was he like someone that's done a lot of things, or it's not Jeff? It's not a Jeff Murphy. I can't. I think he's done a. He's done. He's done a few films, but to I, the Google box, keep talking. Yeah. So there's a couple others coming from Studio Canal. There's the Nicholas. Oh, Nicholas. What am I saying? Nicole Kidman Innocence redo. The others. So that's coming out on 4K UHD. So that's actually one that I'll upgrade because I. That was just like a six-inch yeah. ripoff. Well, a rip-off, well, a redo of the turn of the screw, which had been done, you know, countless times, best done, cited by the innocents. Uh, but, yeah, it was, you know, one of those timeless sort of stories that gets, you know, turned over every few years by the BBC or something into oh a TV God, this movie director, as well. This director did, he's done, like, a lot of movies, but... But not one good movie, is that what you're going to say? <laughs> <laughs> His daughter might be listening. Oh, yeah, sorry. No, <laughs> Apologies. What was it? Nathan Hayes. It was Spy Maker, I think. With uh, Jason Connery. Yes. And Glenn Ford. Is that the one that's based on an Ian Fleming novel? Yeah, it's, yeah there it's, it is. It's, 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 it's the Ian Fleming the secret story. Life, the secret life of Ian yeah. Fleming. That's right. I remember seeing that on video back in the day, yeah. Do you remember? It was one of those. It was. It, they played it constantly on Channel 31. <laughs> it must have it, been like that. Did it somehow get into the public domain? Yeah. And they're just like, let's just play a little shit out yeah, of that. It was one. always on at lunchtime. Okay, so there's another one too. Everyone's favourite um, exiled uh, sex offender, Roman Polanski. His Academy Award winner, The Pianist, is finally coming to 4K Ultra HD. I think I've mentioned it a few times because the date's been shifted over the course of about a year. So that movie. one's scheduled to release in October 11th. Uh, no word yet as to whether Roman Polanski will be coming out to Australia to do a promotional uh, sort of tour. So for how it. is it? I just, I just think we all need, we need more 4K Harvey Keitel penis. <laughs> I want yeah, to no, get no, a really no, no. This is in. the pianist, not the, the piano. piano. This is the, oh, this it's is the, the other one. Oh, it's the, it's the, the Adrian Brody one. Yes. Harvey oh, Keitel does the penis What the hell are you talking about, Glenn? Fucking idiot in the UK and that is going to come out well he was circumcised so it, it fit fits yeah <laughs> I'm just going to let's just can we talk if about bad fits, lieutenant I for sits. a bit <laughs> <laughs> oh god where's this going um, no, so but that... what, was, what was I going to say how is it though that Roman Polanski can have a film get re-released onto 4k right and that's not mm -hmm. a problem and yet they won't fucking release the latest Woody Allen film I know it's baffling it's baffling one of them it's, is yeah. actually exiled and a criminal the other one not. No, the other ones, yeah, yeah, has, has gone to trial and it's all, you know, and yeah, it's it's baffling, it honestly is. I feel like it's not like they're going to be releasing a 4K collector's edition of, say, The Ninth Gate anytime soon, although I would much prefer that over The Pianist, but I'd say, you know, again, you know, the studios sort of go, well, it's an Oscar winner and, you know, maybe, uh, you know, we Wouldn't make a little bit of money. you prefer a 4K out. of any hall? Oh man, that would be phenomenal. Like, I mean, yeah, it's sad that that stuff's going to be locked in a vault, and the best we'll ever probably get now is the previous MGM or Arrow Blu-rays that we'll never see, you know, Criterion or fleshed-out special editions of some of these films, particularly the classics like Manhattan and Annie Hall, for sure. Mm -hmm. But uh, in other news, Insidious: The Red Door obviously opened in cinemas last week, and if you were at Monster Fest in Melbourne, you probably saw that we had a special shout-out from Lynn Shea, which was pretty cool. I know. I know Glenn, it got Glenn, you know, all riled up because he's a big fan of Lynn. 
um and to be honest look i think she ages like a fine wine there's something (laughs) about her that's just honestly i remember when glenn told me that he he, you know he didn't mind the uh the lynn shay i was like what are you talking about (laughs) and then as the years have gone on i'm like oh maybe he was like back up the train He's just uh, a big. Uh, don't worry, don't worry, Ben. That means that you can have Patrick Wilson all to yourself. We'll just, Thank we'll just Christ. couple off. We'll get a, He's a we'll dream get a throuple going with uh, Lin Shay. <laughs> and I'm talking um, Lin Shay um, Kingpin style. Oh <laughs> my so, god! Oh, like, there's something about Mary Lin Shay. Either way, the either way. <laughs> <laughs> Time to pay so the rent. The Insidious Red Door is coming out on Blu-ray and DVD. No 4K at this stage, which is a shame because they've just reissued the first film in the US on 4K, and obviously parts two through four, I think it is. Yeah. None of those have made it to 4K yet, and this fifth one just doing Blu-ray me, DVD um, this stage. Is this is this segment, Jared? Can you tell me is this segment going to be moving over so that soon you're not going to even mention the, the disgusting Blu-ray releases? Only 4Ks. <laughs> <laughs> It's, there's, a, there's a very good chance. We just need to eliminate that DVD problem first. And once we get yeah. all of that, then we'll eradicate Blu-ray. Not we'll so just... long as Eagle's in the picture, my friend. No, you're right. There's, there's going to be someone um, putting out DVDs. I want to just quickly add that I saw the, the Red Door last week, Insidious. And and it's 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 more Insidious. Like, it's... um. <laughs> It's more of, the, more of the same. They've essentially given it a fresh coat of paint by doing the, the Child's Play 3 thing and just putting the same story into like a, a college setting. But right. what I will say, though, is that Patrick Wilson makes a pretty impressive debut as a director, horror-wise. Excellent. He hits all of the horror beats perfectly. That is so... Because, I mean, yeah, he's he's sort of like a... Almost like a silent gun in the genre because he's been in so many horror films, you yeah. know, the Conjuring franchise... Insidious franchise, and I, I just love him in general. I think he's a very talented well, actor. He's a, he's a musical theatre guy. It shows that he knows the genre very well because all of the jump scares have a purpose. They're not just music cues, like Cheap. you talked about last oh, week on good. that radio show. Yes, like it's just, yes, it's it's real jump scares, and and, I like and a good uh, music cue jump scare. <laughs> <laughs> I've been with you when I, I've witnessed it. You witnessed it. It doesn't take much. It does not take. He's much. just lucky he eats all the popcorn so quickly because otherwise it'd be everywhere. Yes, totally. <laughs> it, it actually helps with the popcorn trick. It speeds things up. <laughs> Salt. Extra bit of friction through the hole. <laughs> Now that uh, the Monster Fest <laughs> lease is over for Melbourne, I want to get to a cinema and check out the Red Door Wire because I've seen every one of these movies theatrically. I like which the franchise. Blows my mind. I, I do too. Mm. I think it's it's a strong franchise. It hasn't you know gone off the rails as yet. Yeah. I mean, Lee Winnell made his directorial debut with one of the films with Number the Insidious three. three. Yeah. So I mean, it's a good sort of breeding ground for filmmakers to make that sort of leap. You know. Yeah. Uh, anyway, so that one's coming out on October 11th on Home End. Then the last one I want to mention, if anyone's been sleeping under a rock and hasn't heard the news, Umbrella Entertainment are releasing Hercules Returns this September on Blu-ray, which I'm super ecstatic about because this is one I've been wanting for years. There was a bit of false hope a few years ago when Glassdoll were due to release it, but folded before they could get it, you know, well, out actually, it is, it is uh, Elio from Glassdoll has been working on that release with Umbrella. That's he's, terrific. He's, He's run it. He's managed that that release for Umbrella. Oh, excellent! Umbrella so must have David Parker on speed dial. They do indeed. <laughs> <laughs> when all else fails, yeah, to the David. <laughs> so we need a well, yeah. Now we can release film. that. Um, Parker in. that what, what was that? Um, that Noah Taylor film that he did a few years ago that just got a really stunted release, like the reluctant. Was it the reluctant hitman or the reluctant something? And 
David Parker directed and it just kind of came out of nowhere and went back into nowhere. And I don't know if it got a physical release. Do you either. remember when you and I went to that anniversary screening of Malcolm and I ended up sitting next to Nadia Tass to watch her yes. film? Yes. I was in my yes. and David Parker was next to her. Like I was in my Yes. Like, that was I'm great because I think that was like the last time that she's really openly talked about the film because she didn't really participate with any of the special mm. features when the Blu-ray came out. And then... You know, subsequent screenings, I think it's mainly David that's done the talking. So we well, were pretty thinking was, fortunate. Does she know that I know? <laughs> <laughs> that's that's great. But anyway, gentlemen, that's all the news I have for you this week. Uh, anything you guys want to raise and discuss at all? I can't, can't think of anything timely worthy nah. of discussion. <laughs> nah. Good. Another reason we won't get cancelled this week then. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> A little while ago, we may have like, that, the Roman. I mean, they're releasing it. That's their fault. <laughs> oh yeah, of course. Yeah, look, and we we didn't we didn't celebrate him, and we openly defend. Well, we didn't openly defend. We just stated a case for Woody Allen, given that you know he's been cleared, <laughs> as opposed to Roman Polanski, who's you know essentially well, you know well, a Roman fugitive. Polanski hasn't been charged either, right? Well, he he no, fled he, before. Yeah, or it yeah that's it. He's happen. a fugitive. <laughs> he's a fugitive. <laughs> to and like he could be he could be cleared. Not now, not once you've fled. I reckon there's, enough, there's a whole other crime committed. Well, yeah, there's yeah. something else. <laughs> or, or is there? I don't know if there is. Like, I'm pretty sure there is. I think it, once you are a fugitive, like, you've broken the law. Like, anyway, yeah. it's a Yeah, that's it. I, that will make for a fascinating biopic, though, like one day. Because, you know, I mean, yes, he was an incredible filmmaker. You know, the last 20-odd years of his career, you know, not so great. But, you know, the early period of his work is phenomenal. For the win. I mean, look, the reality yeah. is if you start cancelling films because their directors do sketchy shit, there then... goes Hollywood. Yeah, we've got... There's <laughs> no oh, film God, left yeah, absolutely. We're, we're left with so few films. And surprisingly, the films that we'll be left with will likely be like, you know, the teen sex comedies where everything was actually above board. And <laughs> yeah. suddenly it's like, oh, the Oscars wishes to... You know, acknowledge the films of 1983, and then suddenly we're just seeing clips from yeah. Porky's Revenge or something. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Revenge of the Nerds 2. That would be fine by me. <laughs> All right, gentlemen, until next time, stay physical. Ben, I'd like to play a game with you. <laughs> this never works out well. No, it's that time of the show where we do play a game. It's become, it's become this part of the show. Last week you uh, you gave us a doozy to play with, and it was more like a we were just sort of, I guess, spoiling the chain last week. We, you know. Yeah, look, it, yeah. <laughs> to be honest with you, these games they w they do work better with five people. Right. They're not really uh, a two person game. Mm -hmm. we, we realistically we should just be playing Snap or something. <laughs> now, and when I when I say you bring these games to the table, you practically just steal them from other games, right? Yeah, this is yeah, totally. This is not, yeah, this is a this is a, these, these, these are games I played over COVID with friends of mine. That's right. Over Zoom. So you know, to everybody listening, you could go and buy this in a shop, or you could just listen to us, like you know. yeah, muddle our way through it. <laughs> it's going to be horrible. Yes, nothing but original content here. Yeah. <laughs> Let's do that again. Um, hopefully, we can refine it a little bit this week. What what kind of game do we have? Because we haven't really discussed this at length. So yeah, well, this game is look. I found this, uh, let's see if I can get it to work. I found this a random movie picker website. Okay. So it'll randomly pick, hopefully, a a film. I'll change it to one. <laughs> uh, and then, basically, from that movie, we take turns naming cast members 
in the film. Okay. And once we run out, right? Whoever whoever can't name another <laughs> actor loses. I, it's, it's kind of it's, it's a roll really, call. It's a roll yeah, call. It's a roll call. I'm gonna suck at this. I think last week's was much easier. So all right, now I'm up for it though. <laughs> it's, yeah, it sucks. Okay, so the first one uh, that's come up is it's it's a bit of a cheat. So because it's actually on the posters, it's Tom Hanks's Forrest Gump. Okay. So if you can't do Tom Hanks, right. you just have to start. So. Well, you, you've just started with Tom Hanks. All right. Gary Sinise. Uh, Robin Wright. Sally Field. Uh, <laughs> uh, Robert F. Kennedy. <laughs> I believe you just had to pee. Was it, was it him? Was it Kennedy? Or is it... Uh, <laughs> yeah, no, that was Kennedy. <laughs> <laughs> that was John right, F. Kennedy, wasn't it? it? John anyway, Kennedy. Yeah, sorry. Yeah it's, yeah, it's John F. Kennedy. But, I mean, I might as well say Bubba Gump. Like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, well, He's I mean, playing himself. All right. Well, that's a, uh, that's a practice. Like we did last week, yeah. you've got to have a practice. I can't think of anyone else. No, I can't, I can't think of the guy... I, who played Elvis or... I can't, yeah, I can't think of the guy who plays, who plays uh, his, his good friend, Bubba. No, it's not Bubba. Bubba. Bubba, yeah, yeah. I, can't, I can't think of that guy's name. No. <laughs> uh, That's it. No, I is like it McKelty, McKelty Williamson? No. no. I don't know, but um, let's play a few more. This is good. This is good. We're warming up. We're warming up. All right. Do you have like an advantage by selecting these or I, 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 I might pull mine from the lucky dip. What do you reckon? Or do you want to just go with this? I oh, know. Okay, so let's come up with one. Uh, well, I do because I see the posters. It's yeah, not just giving me the names. It's giving me the posters. So ah, right. Let's see what so, the Lucky right, Dip has. Try, try the Lucky Dip ones. We haven't played Lucky Dip for a while, so this is sort of, you know, going down memory lane. I'll I think one. these are going to be super obscure, so it's oh, going to be... Whose hair is that in there? You know me, Glenn. I don't have any. <laughs> it's short and it's white. Uh, it could be mine. <laughs> All right. How do you... F- I dip my old man pubes in the jar. <laughs> I'm going to suck at this one, but um, so I've got the movie title. Do I go the first name or you go the first you name? You go the first name. All right. The Virgin Suicides, I'll say Kirsten Dunst. James Woods. Uh, Josh Hartnett. <laughs> Is Jenna Malone one of the sisters? Ooh. Maybe we need I guess to so you get to call a challenge and then we get to check. Okay, that do you want to uh, so, no, challenge? That's a challenge, uh, yeah. that's a challenge. Okay, Virgin Suicides. Hope this is uh fascinating for everybody listening. Uh Kirsten Dunst, Josh Hartnett, Hannah R. Hall, AJ Cook, Leslie Heyman. I forgot AJ Cook. Hayden Christensen. No Jenna Malone then. Oh, Kathleen Turner. Uh doesn't look like it. Jonathan Tucker's in there. Okay. So Glenn Scott, Danny DeVito. Fuck, this was a huge one. Giovanni Rabisi, uh, Michael Pare. Uh, I'm still going through. It's a big cast. No gentleman. No, nah, she'd be one of the sisters. Okay. So, so right. you won that one. Oh, wow. So then I get, I get to. You get to pull the next one out. Now you'll pull a really obscure one. <laughs> It'd be an earnest movie. I hope you're playing along at home. Oh, no, this, one's a, this, was a, this was a good one. Young Guns. Ooh, this is a great one. So, uh,. Uh, Kiefer Sutherland, Dermot Mulroney. Uh, Jesus, <laughs> no, I just um, got Emilio Estevez, <laughs> Terence Stamp, uh, Casey Size Mako, um, Lou Diamond Phillips. That's the one I couldn't think of his name before. <laughs> uh, Jack Palance. Oh, now we're getting down to the nitty gritty, aren't we? Um, oh, I'm going to part two. Uh, bow, bow. 
Can't think of one. Can't name any. The only one I can think of is Terry O'Quinn. Yes, of course. The stepfather's in it. I kept going, my mind kept going Alan Ruck and William Peterson, but they were in part <laughs> <And> two. two. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently part three's still on the way. And no one said Charlie Sheen. You should uh, have. I mean, gee, Charlie Sheen, of course. He was the smart one. He was the smart one. He was the learned one. Well, Bill, keep, let's keep Sutherland. Billy. He's the, he was the leader. He was the leader. That's right. Peter Sutherland was Doc. And he became a teacher in part two. Yeah. See, this is the this is the um exactly what nerdy cinematic ramblings is all about. Should be about yeah. We're nerdy, we're cinematic, and we're rambling. Okay. Oh, I, I don't know the answer to this one, but let's be cops. I'm gonna say Charlie Day. Uh this is a short one. Well it's <laughs> I know that I know it's definitely Marilyn Manson. Was he in that? I don't know if Charlie Day was. No, he wasn't. He wasn't. I know the yeah. guy too. Oh, I, I fucking I think lost that off the first Tim, one. Isn't it Tim, like Tim Heidecker? Oh, it's the... All right. I lost that one. Everyone listening is probably... Either they know it very well or they're <laughs> like, what the fuck are you talking about? One of the Waynes brothers was in it, wasn't he? The Wayne's son? Yeah, I don't know. Okay. Damon Wayne's Jr. Jake Johnson. That's who I was thinking of. Not Charlie Day. James Darcy. Andy Garcia. Rob Riggle. Nina Dobrev. That's a good cast. Is Marilyn Manson in it? Uh, click view more. <laughs> is it under his? Is it under his? Michael Keegan K. Um, What's his actual name? Brian Warner, as okay. in Marilyn Manson. Brian Warner. Um, do, 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 do. He's in it. Well, I was wrong from the first first one. No, he's not. All right. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> All right. I mean, you and I are having a great time here. <laughs> That's what the problem with this thing is. Okay. Uh, Inglorious Bastards. So, why don't I start things off with uh, Brad Pitt? Okay, Eli Roth. Uh, <laughs> can't think of the guy's name. Um, don't then. Someone else. Uh, I'll take it. Uh, <laughs> uh, uh, Till Schweiger. Christoph Waltz. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I think I know two more. There's the guy from Freaks and Geeks whose name I don't know. Oh, it's the guy from all the Avengers movies is the guy who, who kills Hitler. <laughs> Can't remember his name. Oh, um, Michael Myers. Yeah, yeah, good one. Diane Kruger. Yeah. Uh, Don't worry, you'll sound smarter because I'll, I'll chop it together really quick. <laughs> <laughs> no, this is a hard game. Yeah. Next, next week we'll have a timer. We'll have a stopwatch. Yeah. <laughs> Know, I just don't know their name. Like I can picture who they are, mm. but I don't know their names. Right, Sam Levine. That's the guy from Freaks ah, and Geeks. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I've only got one more, and that's Daniel Brühl. I don't even know who that is. It's the guy from Goodbye Lennon. You know, he's um, it's a lot. You know his face if you saw it. Is he the guy in the in? He's the guy the in Avengers. the film. The film in the film. Yeah, that's the guy. I was. Yeah, he's <laughs> the guy. He's in, he's in the Avengers and stuff like oh, that. Yeah, yeah, yes, yes, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> he's popping up in everything these days. <laughs> I'm done. Like, if you can name one more, you win. It's like the only one without Samuel L. Jackson, right? We haven't, yeah. (laughs) Surely he's going to be in it, right? Who who played Hitler in it? Was it Bruno Gantz? No. (laughs) Yeah, okay. Nah, all right. Well, there we go. I reckon we do one more round. All right. right. Next one, it's a Ben one. It's your fat writing, mate. It's writing with the texter. Right. Um, Elvira. (laughs) Elvira, Mistress of the Dark. Sorry, your texter comment just... Cracked me up then. <laughs> <laughs> You're writing Julie Fat. I was writing with a texter. <laughs> uh, so I'm assuming that you're naming Elvira. Oh, yeah, um, Cassandra Peterson. <laughs> uh, 
Oh, Jesus. And I did the... I'd have more luck with uh, Elvira's Haunted Hills. Gee, she did the commentary. Like, I worked on the release. <laughs> she did the commentary for me. Yeah, yeah. Um, the, he's a real cool dude from uh, Ferris Bueller's Day Off and stuff. Oh, yeah. Oh, I can, She's yeah. in it. I don't know what her name is. Though. Edie McClurg. Edie McClurg, that's yeah. it. Yeah, so uh, I'm already see, out. I wanted uh, another connection. I wanted to say Jeffrey Jones. I don't think he's in there, is he? I don't think so. No, but... John Paragon wrote it. I don't know if he's in it. Well, because John Paragon and Eddie McClurg were um, from the same theatre group with yeah. Paul Rubens and, and yeah. I'm guessing Cassandra Peterson. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Um, okay, let's have a look. Elvira, Mistress... And it's Morgan something or another is the bad guy. Mm-hmm. I love John Paragon. Let me just say that. I think he's a three-namer. Okay, what do we got there? Susie Kellerman's in there. Susan Kellerman, I should say. Jeff Conaway. Uh, oh, right. William Morgan Shepherd. William Morgan Shepherd. Yeah, that's right. and that's his son right. is in like Firefly and stuff. He's is in a bunch of stuff. Oh right. Oh Frank Collison's in there. He's a an Albert Pune staple, wasn't he? The head in um. Oh, you're right. <laughs> in Dollman. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, no Jeffrey Jones, but hey, Edie McClurg and Jeffrey Jones were office mates in Ferris Bueller, so. That's right. Yeah. Anyway, there we go. Uh, yeah. End of the game. <laughs> yeah. I don't trust this kid any further than I can throw him. Well, with your bad knee, Ed, you shouldn't throw anybody.
Both Marvel and DC have used that song. It's Time by Pink Floyd, and it was heard in Marvel's Eternals and DC's The Flash. So, so two movies that no one, <laughs> That's no right. one watched. Pink Floyd getting in on the uh, the comic book action. There. I'm sure they, I'm sure they charged them as much as if it was a Marvel movie that was successful or a DC <laughs> movie that was successful. No doubt. If uh, if Roger had anything to do with it. <laughs> and anyway, I chose that one because Time, name of the song is relevant to this part of the show because it's time to chat with many service whose latest film is Timescape. Oh, then you should have played Morris Day in the time. <laughs> Jungle <laughs> Love. <laughs> oh, wee, oh, wee, oh. Uh, retitled, of course, in Australia as Timescape Back to the Dinosaurs. This is the type of kids' adventure movie that our generation grew up with, Ben, because if you think of all those Amblin films and other movies like Flight of the Navigator, even The Explorers, that's the type of film this is. So it is, you know, new kids of today don't know those films. So this is sort of their way into that kind of uh, genre. As I mentioned earlier, Many's first film was Battle for Terror, which was a fantastic sci-fi adventure with a massive cast. And I mentioned last week when we spoke about this film that there was a big cast, and all I could think of was Justin Long. I'm going to read out this cast. Like, how's this for impressive? Luke Wilson, Justin Long, Evan Rachel Wood, Chris Evans, Danny Glover, Brian Cox, Dennis Quaid. David Gross, Rosanna Arquette, Beverly D'Angelo, and James Garner. That's fucking huge. It's a pretty big <laughs> cast. If only that was this movie was in the game we just played. <laughs> <laughs> I still would have only remembered Justin Long. Yeah. <laughs> but now he has made another film. Like I said, Timescape. It's his first live action film. And as you'll hear from him, he's hoping to get into more live action stuff moving forward, which is exciting. Um, this one is now available locally. Let's have a chat and um, we'll, we'll see you on the other side. Many, it's fantastic to be chatting with you. How are you today, sir? I'm great. Uh, I couldn't be better. Um, it's I'm in California. It's kind of sunny here. There's no weather, which is the best part. So I really, really can't complain. Oh, half your luck. It's I'm from cold. Canada, so <laughs> uh, yeah, I would imagine. I, I just I'm from a, a country originally with with actual weather. So to not have any weather for such long periods of time is it's a nice break. So I've um I I've really can't complain. I've spent time living in Canada, so I can definitely relate to that. <laughs> um, and I'm going to pick your brain about that in a moment. But um, look, Timescape, we're going to talk about that. It's um, it's a movie, it's a type of movie that I grew up with as a kid. And so watching this as a, a grown-ass adult, like there was a total nostalgia that came with it for me. Um, is, yeah. like, is that what draws you to these sort of sci-fi family adventures? Is it a nostalgia for you too? Yeah, I mean, especially this one, uh, my producer said, um, you know, they wanted to put me in a live action environment because before I've done a lot of animation, even though I started with live action, I want to get back into it. And they said, you know, just make a movie uh, that when we put you on set, do something that you'd enjoy making. And uh, if you can make it for kids, we know we could sort of like sell it easier. <laughs> <laughs> and I thought, sure, um, I'm going to write something from the heart, I write something which I loved at the age at which this film is, uh, you know, the audience is aimed for, mm -hmm. or this film is aimed for that audience. And, uh, and, and at that age, I grew up with the, you know, the Amblin films of the 80s and early 90s, uh, you know, the ETs, uh, Back to the Futures, um, Explorers and so on, yep. uh, Flight of the Navigator. Uh, yep. And you could clearly see the influences there. And I didn't really uh, go for any specific influence. I just, uh, just the general kind of vibe of those films and what they meant to me when I was a kid and how exciting I, they were and fresh. And I just thought I'd, I'd, I'd just pay a little bit of homage to that and try and do something, 
you know, modern uh, with that. So, um, so that was kind of the the, the general undercurrent, uh, which which kind of propelled the the story um, and informed the story for me. Yeah, right. And being yeah. Canadian, did you grow up with all of those Tales for All stories that they did? Those movies like you know, Peanut Butter Adventure, Tommy Tricker, all that kind of stuff. Because this film would fit right in with those. It would, but it's funny because I also, uh, on top of having, uh, consuming a lot of Canadian content, as we like to call it now, <laughs> um, I got all the American stuff too. I mean, I was there day one, May 25th, 1977, watching Star Wars. Yeah. You know? And before that, it was the Disney, you know, Escape to Witch Mountain and stuff like that. So I got those as well. And it's nice having the more folksy, being influenced by the more folksy kind of Canadian, yeah. uh, you know, film and TV and, and also uh, a literature and a Green Gables and stuff even, um, to the American, uh, you know, big event kind of pictures, uh, you know, the television and, and movies. So, um, so it was kind of a little bit of uh, both actually. Yeah, well, I mean, if all of those sort of you know, comparable movies don't entice people, they've got no hope. I mean, this movie is just—I it's, it's, like—I mean, I don't like um, talking to filmmakers and comparing their movies to others, but in this mm -hmm. case, I think it's a compliment because I think you've pulled it off really well, and we don't see a lot of these sort of films anymore. Yeah, where did yeah. the seed? Where did the seed come from? I know you said that you know your producer suggested you know you do a film that would you know yeah. target an audience, but where did the idea come from? Specifically. Well, you know, what's interesting is that it was it, it, it came from a very practical place, but I, I wanted to make sure I did something uh, fresh and interesting. And what they said is, can you make, I don't know, a film about like kids and dinosaurs or something? <laughs> and they just left me with that. Yeah. And I thought, well, I, I, I let me go with it and see what I can come up with. And if it if if I could find a way to make a movie that's worth making, that's mm -hmm. a story that's worth telling. I'm going to experiment with that idea. And I thought, okay, kids, dinosaurs, how are we going to get the two together? It's going to be time travel. Okay. Mm -hmm. And I thought, let's start with the most basic time travel uh, structure, which is time machine, go back in time, broken, try and fix it, and then return to the present. And that's where I started with kind of the structural idea. But then it, it was just a plot. And that's not a film worth making if it's just a, a plot it's just a series of events and as i was doing as i was figuring out and, and breaking story and then figuring out the figuring out the mechanics of the uh the time travel back and forth plants and payoffs and all that which we've all learned from films like back yeah. to the future i found out what the movie was about and once mm. i found out what the movie was about which is i was about trust and it was it was about this kid um, learning to trust the people and the universe. And then an extension of that was uh, is about two kids sort of losing their family and trying to find them in different ways. And when I found that, which is the heart of the story, then I went in and then I was able to take the story and have it be, be really driven by um, these characters' wants and needs, you know, and hopes and issues so um mm. and that's when I, I knew i had a movie um and then the the general you know kind of feeling and sense of like nostalgia beyond that was really just making a film for kids which uh was again like what i said was a, a film that i liked when i was a kid so it was inevitably going to have a lot of that um you know aesthetic to it because it's just what i liked and i just thought let me just make something that i know and i love and shamelessly do it and if I do it right, it'll it'll be genuine. It'll be something which people will take to and not think it's just um, you know a nostalgia piece, but it's it's a standalone you know uh, story. Yeah, so. absolutely. And it's it's mm -hmm. been what um, your previous film was Battle for Terror uh, feature film. That yeah, is. that was yeah. 
and that was a great movie. Like I really, really loved that one. I come from the the video store days where I, I ran a video store, and that was such oh, cool. a, that was such a big title for for my store anyway. Oh, cool. And oh, I mean, this, I don't want I don't want this to sound like flippant or anything, but it's been fifteen years between films. I, yeah, yeah. Why so long? Oh, you know what's interesting is uh, it one of the reasons. Well, first of all, I did a lot in between. I, I did just I became kind of a commercial director and. Uh, mm-hmm. A director for hire so i did lots of tv commercials i did lots of like game cinematics and stuff like that i worked at a really great company called blur studio which is famous for uh its game cinematics and at that time i was making the transition to live action so what i did was i continued directing animated commercial pieces i did like 12 commercials for goldfish crackers i don't know if they have those in australia uh pepperidge farm uh, those were a lot of fun because those were like story-driven Pixar pieces and all kinds of different things. Lots of short films, which I was just paid for as a resident director to make short films. And during that time, instead of making another animated film, I I worked towards making live action. And it took so much longer than I thought because it's really hard to break into something different when you're known in, in, in film and television to, to, to be that guy. First yeah. it was visual effects, then it was animation. And I'm like, who's going to trust me? Who's going to give me all this money to make a live action film? So it took its time. So I was gainfully employed as a director during that time. And I finally made a live action film. And it took like almost 10 years to oh, get it I, I kind of, I kind of want to yeah. pick your brain on two points there. Um, like mm-hmm. getting like a, such a high concept film off the ground in an independent mm-hmm. way, sort of outside of the Hollywood system, I guess. It, what's yeah. the biggest challenge there? I mean, I know you said that you had a producer that sort of brought it to you, but is there is there yeah. a fundamental challenge to get something off the ground like this? It absolutely is. In my case, I, I just think I got lucky that I worked with several different producers over the course of my career who were just who just trusted me and, and allowed me to um, to go ahead and put forth ideas which they believed in. I just, I don't know, I don't know if it's luck or just working hard at it, but it is, it is, uh, there's no um, set way of getting an independent film done. Um, So for me, all it was is you just try everything and you're gonna, you're gonna come across barriers like 99 out of 100 times but that one time you really have to go for it and for me it was for example for Terra uh, which ended up being called Battle for Terra my producer and I which was just an independent producer just producer partner we just greenlit ourselves and then that just got the interest of other people we also did a short film for it which won an award and and then that got the attention of a a bigger producer so we just didn't aware the funding or interest is going to come from you just keep on working at it whether it's making short films where it's doing youtube content whatever it is to get uh attention out there and for um for uh timescape what it was is what i was i was actually and still am uh developing several projects with those producers they started with animation and i kept on pushing to do live action um they were ready to go with animation but it took a few years to really convince them to do live action so i don't know it really is just a matter of just 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 stay sticking with it doing a lot of work a hard work um trying to uh, refine your your craft um and uh, wearing many hats that's another thing to do um so you can sort of make make shorter subjects and and and, and be uh, and be able to uh affordably do them by learning how to edit learning how to design learning how to 
you know, write and 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 so color correct and so on, visual effects. So I don't know. There's no really simple answer other than just <laughs> a lot of hard work because you gotta love it. Because if you love it, you don't notice that it's ridiculous, ridiculously long hours. <laughs> yeah, I imagine. Um, yeah. Is is there something um, when you're directing actors, yeah. like actual actors in front of a yeah. camera? That mm -hmm. would be a whole different thing entirely because when you're directing animation, you don't have attitudes, you don't have um, different ideas and things like that. Is it harder yeah. to direct live action? You know, it's the same and different. It's the same in that when I did Battle for Terror, which was super cool because I work with so many fantastic, like, quote unquote, A-list actors, and you realize why they're A-list actors because they're amazing at what they do and they earn their places. Uh, you know, in, in, in the industry and, and, and at such high regard, but that's going off topic. So, but with animation, it's it's similar in that you are dealing with performance, even though they're just in a booth, um, you know, standing, uh, it, you're still doing performance with them. So that part is the same. The difference actually really is just the, the workflow um, of uh, live action, which is the blocking you know the and then the hair and makeup and and the the the, the physicality uh, and the three-dimensional aspect of being on set uh and that that's that's a, a literal new dimension that isn't in animation you in animation you do that virtually but here you do it with the actors um it was easy for me i guess just because i've worked so much with actors uh, as voice and it was just just a a little bit more physical that's all but in the end it's still filmmaking you know it's still yeah. filmmaking and you're still trying to get a, a story across and it really is just collaboration uh getting to know the actors kind of how they like to work and figuring that out in the first few minutes uh with them and then just just going with it and just keeping an open mind and being flexible and being um uh yeah just collaborative yeah it's, right it's not a big deal to was me it a, was it a long process trying to find the right kids yeah, it was. It was kind of tricky in Canada, especially because it was pretty smaller. It was a smaller budget film, and we wanted the kids to be local. And so that was in Montreal, which is a French-speaking uh, city in, in mm -hmm. the French-speaking province of Quebec, in Canada. And we wanted it to be English-speaking, with a just sort of like you know North American or American mm -hmm. style like uh, English or accent. So that really limited our. Um, uh like the net we could cast the only thing we were kind of limited by was, was we couldn't get as much diversity as we wanted to just because we were just dealing with like maybe our top like choices were like five in total for the kids mm -hmm. right and so we really just went with the best the best actors we got really lucky actually so the, the way i work with that is we we just we we found like the the, the kids who were the most appropriate and then we did chemistry tests where we put various combinations together and mm -hmm. um turned out for example that our main actor we were going with one person who like looked great and was a very traditional looking young man you know uh actor but we ended up going with with Sofiane uh, uh who was not technically our first choice but he was just so funny and worked so well with with uh Lola um mm -hmm. the the female lead uh and and he's just such a bright and, and uh he was actually the character of the film like he was literally the characters i wrote him fantastic kid so just like being on set in when you're casting as well you got to remain flexible and you've got to remain uh, open to um you know changing your mind and, and going with something different which you originally intended to so 
uh, in the end, we again, I think we got pretty lucky with our cast because those kids carried the film, and that's really tough to do. And they were that was it was both their first features. They, I think they did great. They definitely did. They definitely did. And yeah. you yourself were the voice of me, of the AI system yeah. that operates the spacecraft. I mean, was that out of necessity? Was that something you wanted to yeah. dip your toes into? It was out of necessity. Uh, at, at that point, we had wrapped the film, and um, we didn't have much money left, and we want, had to make some decisions. We had to make some triage, like, do we put the money in editing? Do we put the money here and that? We have the distribution kind of like... Um, uh, financial like uh, like requests and so on. So at, at that point, we were like trying to see where we can cut corners. And what happened actually was I, I did a temp track uh, just of Mia, right? Um, and um, like it's, it's called a, sc a scratch track in yeah. film parlance. And uh, the producers are like, well, why don't we just use that? I'm like, no, <laughs> it's just a scratch track. <laughs> and they're like, yeah, it's fine. I'm like, it's not fine, but I don't know. You tell me. They seem to like it. So I went and I re-recorded it just with, with actually this microphone. Yeah, right. Um, <laughs> I bought it. This It's a Yeti Blue. I actually bought it for the uh, for Timescape. <laughs> and... Um, yeah, and, and I guess it, it just stuck, and I really didn't expect that to happen. We were casting all these kind of comedians and stuff. Uh, like, I, I was hoping to get someone like David Cross, like we had in Battle for Terra, who was fantastic mm. as uh, the character Giddy in that film. But I don't know, I ended up voicing the film, the, the character, and uh, I, I have no comments on that. <laughs> it's it a was... big character, and it's a great character. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, the character's cool, that's for sure. Um, <laughs> So well, thank you, I think. I don't know. Yeah, it's a compliment. <laughs> it's a compliment. And gaming okay. nerds should be really excited about this too because um, one of the actresses yep. is Zelda herself. You've got Patricia Somerset in there. Like, yeah, Patricia. She was, a, she was a fantastic Patricia yeah. Somerset. She's super cool. Yeah, it was really cool that we, we uh, were able to uh, have her come, come to the film. Um, yeah, we just, you know, she just came up on our casting list. I go, oh, this is cool. She's, she's obviously, you know, known as Zelda and uh, I knew who she was. Uh, but she also really kind of like looked the part and mm -hmm. uh, she just came in and read a couple lines and I'm like, let's cast her right away before she like goes away and find something else to do. Sure. And uh, it was really straightforward. It was like, it was very obvious that we all wanted to, we wanted Patricia on the film and she was, she loves this kind of stuff and she had a good time and she was into it. So worked out really well. She's such a pro too. I mean, mm -hmm. Because, you know, she's done not only like Zelda, but she's done like lots of lots of um, motion capture, um, you know, video game stuff. And so we had her um, on set and in lo on location wearing a spacesuit and running and doing kind of like soft stunt stuff. Yeah. And she's like so good and, and such a pro. And I've done a lot of, of performance capture myself, working at Blur Studio and so on. So and I recognized her absolute professionalism and just yeah. like nailing every take because she just she's she's a great actor she's a great voice artist but she's also a great physical actor as well so she's very talented we're very lucky to have her yeah for sure and the movie itself yeah. has taken a little bit longer to get to australia than the rest of the world um but it has been getting some fantastic um, responses and reviews elsewhere oh, uh, have, has, awesome. yeah, yeah <laughs> i mean it's, it must be a fantastic feeling just to to get some you know really good feedback and, and response to the movie yeah, it was, it was really cool because uh, we released it originally just going to be like a Quebec release, a Quebec, Canada, and it actually did really well there. And I went to the premieres there and and it was received really well. So I was, you know, 
we just thought of this as a pretty small kind of fun little film and exercise in the way to get me on set and um and if anything else came out of it it was just kind of gravy yeah. and so to get like uh, really nice responses especially in my hometown because i yep. grew up in canada and then in montreal and then it premiered there so it was kind of a nice homecoming because i've been living in the states for the last like 27 years um it was super gratifying and I, I didn't expect anything. So everything like on top of just finishing the film, which is a miracle in itself, was, is just an absolute, like just an amazing feeling and just really happy and grateful. So I can't, yeah, I'm over the moon personally. Yeah. I feel like it's well earned, mate. It's well earned. Um, before I let you Thank go, you. I'm just, I'm just wondering um, what is next for you? You said you had some ideas and th things floating around in your mind. Do you have something in plan? Yeah. Yeah. Several things. Uh, I can't, unfortunately I can't talk about it, but I'll, uh, they, I am working with the same producers of Timescape, uh, David Alexander Quateau at, at Film Films, as well as a production company called Nintendo in Montreal on a couple of projects, actually. One is Timescape related, one is horror film related, but unfortunately they're, they're, it's so early in the uh, development. Um, these are, are projects which have scripts. But I, I, I don't think I can talk about it, but definitely sure. I'm keeping sure. very busy. Um, and uh, and thankfully, what Timescape has done was allowed me to, to finally make the transition to live action uh, permanently. And uh, all I can say is that um, I'm, I'm diligently working on new projects. Uh -huh. So hopefully we'll be able to announce a couple of things this year, um, but not, not, at, not at this uh, Well, that's not, not a problem. Point, Ho hopefully we can reconnect at a later point in time and, and maybe talk about them when, when we can. So that'd be absolutely Awesome. Absolutely. So I, I, I appreciate it. you taking the time and um, yeah, I really enjoyed this movie a lot. So congratulations. Thank you so much. I appreciate you too. It was a lot of fun. Welcome to Bonehead Weekly Fun Size. This week, we're going to talk about our favorite planets because, eh, why the hell not? Our favorite <laughs> fictional planets in the movie pictures. Now, I'm going to go first. Now, this is one of my favorite planets, but I would never want to go visit. It's too deadly. And even though they put a shake and bake colony on there and got those... Uh, huge air things where they build atmosphere they done and went blow those up in the second movie gentlemen i'm talking about lv426 in alien does anybody want to go there it's one of my favorite places i love looking at pictures of it i love looking at ripley trying to escape from there but i don't know that i want to go visit uh, maybe a little maybe just to check out and see what was the story behind that space jockey and that huge giant spaceship there Clearly, it wasn't what I saw in Prometheus. But it's all stormy and, and gloomy. That's me, Chad. Stormy yeah, Joe, Joe, Joe's, a, Joe's a hidden goth girl. People don't know that. It's true. It's true. I've just been trying to... Uh, I don't know why I'm showing off my man, Chad. I need to cover this up. <laughs> Chad, would you like to go next? Yes, I'd like to go next. You can't beat LV426. Oh, I bet I can. Watch this. Nope. Mm. Oh. so uh this is the second time i'm gonna list a movie that has how problematic but damn it he made a lot of good movies that i love and yes i do mean good movies so this planet has a unique um uh population it is a population of idiots i am talking about planet spingo from mom and dad save the world which this movie is kind of a yeah i know this movie is kind of, is a kind of a comedic version of flash gordon 
<laughs> has a lot of the same premises. <laughs> directed Except, by the guy that directed License to Drive. Yep, Greg Beeman. Um, and it's it it has Jeffrey Jones and Terry Gar are these mo- are these these your typical mom and dad um, who are going on a vacation with their kids, and then the planet uh, the 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 people from the planet Spingo warp them out there, and suddenly they're the people who have to save them even though they're just a normal couple, you know, mid forties trying to go on vacation and they, all these idiots adore them. And John Lovitz plays the villain and who is also an idiot. So I highly recommend mom and dad save the world. It is fun. I actually introduced it to my kids and they really loved it as well. So planet Spingo, James beat planet Spingo. Spingo. I want to talk to you about the important location. Sigma Iota two. Not to be confused with Sigma Iota 1, and Sigma Iota 3 is right out. Are you talking about Celt- Celti Alpha 5? No. No, that would be a good one, too. Let's talk about Seti Alpha 5. See, oh, this is Seti Celti Alpha, Alpha 5. 5. Celti, Celti Alpha, Alpha 6. Went, or was it 6? I, hell, I don't remember. It got out of orbit and done went and fucked up as Seti Alpha yeah. 5. five. So, I'll, I'll take on the part of Joe. Five minutes. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, no, you're right. City Alpha. I was going to do another Star Trek planet, but I think City Alpha 5 is the important one because that's where Kirk's ultimate nemesis lives. And it was a utopia. It was meant to be a utopia. But as Joe pointed out, there was some gravimetric disturbances. The planet blew up and it screwed up this utopia that uh, Khan was going to be able to build and killed his wife, which was one of Kirk's former crew members. And so he has to... Uh, swear revenge and he has all this wrath wrath i say matter of fact you just said it's the wrath of khan but seti alpha five there's these great creatures that live there that they burrow in your ear and they wrap around your brain stem and make you highly suggestive yeah yeah seti alpha five that's a good one joe i'll go with that this has been bonehead weekly fun size muchas gracias Uh, they've done some really interesting topics lately. Um, kind of makes me wish we were still doing, doing themed episodes. <laughs> yeah. I actually had uh, a, a friend of mine uh, who does occasionally listen to the show was like, uh, are you back on the show? Like, are you doing the show again? Like, what's what's this week's episode going to be about? And I'm like, oh, they're not about anything anymore. <laughs> yeah. That's over. We, 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 there was a point in time there where we just both got really busy. Yeah. And so the theme had to go. <laughs> no time to prep. No time to prep. <laughs> Um, hey, Battle for Terra, the movie I just talked about before, that'd be a good fictional planet. So, Of places you don't want to visit? Oh, I mean, yeah. I mean, there's a big cast on that planet, so yeah. I probably would want to visit <laughs> there just to get some autographs. Um, anyway, so Boneheads, thank you very much. And Chad is slaying it at the moment. Mum and Dad saves the world. Um, what about the planet from Vicious Lips? Yeah. There's only two planets in the entire universe that have women with three tits. <laughs> And one's Mars. That's right. <laughs> yeah, only one's fictional. Yeah. <laughs> Let's recommend some movies, Ben. So every week we select one film each to recommend films that might hit the spot if you're looking for something to watch and you can't decide. So I'm going to go first. I have no idea why, but uh, this is a, a movie I had a real urge to watch recently. In fact, for a few weeks. And I finally found time to sit down and do it. Um, it's a lot different to our, I remember it being but in a very good way, 1984, against all odds. So this is the Jeff Bridges, Rachel Ward, James Woods yeah, movie. Right. I've never um, seen it, but I do, don't they, they do um, recreate that, 
not on the beach. What's that mean? Yeah, the, the poster is on the beach. Like, it's, um, it's them on the beach, but it's them rolling around in the... Yeah, from here to eternity. From here to eternity. Beach, which the poster is very misleading. Very, very misleading because that's not really the the tone of the film at all. No, it's like a... Th- isn't it like a yeah, noir it, type Yeah, film? so like I'll talk about that. I must say, though, in the cast is also Alex Carras or Carras, who was um, George from Webster. Remember the dad from Webster? Yeah, I think it's Karras, yeah. Karras, yeah. Isn't he like an ex-football player or something? Yeah, totally. He's in this as a, as a coach. Yeah, right. right. And uh, but all I could see was Webster. Right? Webster. <laughs> but yeah, it's a, it's a very... They mis- couldn't get what, Dick Butkus was busy? <laughs> it's a very, very misleading film because um, my memories of this is sort of like a forbidden love drama type of thing, which there are elements of, which is what the poster alludes to. But it's actually really dark and it's a neo-noir type of thriller um, and yeah, I just thought it was like a double jeopardy type thing. Yeah, I forgot how like really fucking twisted it got in the end, you know, especially that final act. But essentially, Jeff Bridges plays a washed up or injured football player um, who's sort of you know, out of cash, needs a quick job. And he takes a job from a nightclub owner played by James Woods. Um, and the, the job is simple enough. You just go to Mexico, the tropics of Mexico, and try to find his girlfriend who ran away. Right? So the mobster's girlfriend ran away. And... The thing is, Wood's character has dirt on Jeff Bridges as a character, so Jeff Bridges can't say no, so he has to go. But when he gets there, he finds the girl, they fall in love, and then so suddenly they go on the run from the mobster, and then the mobster sends someone after them. Right. And it turns into this really dangerous game of cat and mouse, but it also leads to murder, and it gets really fucking dark. It's almost like a Coen Brothers movie at, at one point. And, I, yeah, that just took me by surprise, because I watched this wanting that drama about the romance. You need to watch um, 8 Million Ways to Die to follow it up, the Jeff Bridges <laughs> movie, whereas yeah. the Max, the Matt Scudder movie. <laughs> totally. Um, but yeah, like, so I was pleasantly surprised. I got something I wasn't expecting, um, which was great. But the other thing I found out when just researching it was this is the movie that Disney used as a reference point to de-age Jeff Bridges for Tron 2, Tron Legacy. Yeah, really? And as I'm watching it, I'm like, yes, that is his face from Tron because it's, <laughs> it's kind of smooth. Like, he's, it's the right moment for him, complexion-wise. Yeah. He wasn't baby-faced. He wasn't, like, old. He was just right in between. So, yeah, anyway, against all odds, it's fantastic. And it ends with that weird shot of Rachel Ward staring at the camera where she's staring off-camera at Jeff Bridges, who's not visible. But she's right. just holding this expression. and The soapy stare. While they're yeah, cut to a break, it's just like the final scene in Pearl. Um, if anyone's watching Pearl and uh, has seen Pearl and that know that two minute stare at the camera, they do this with Rachel Ward. They don't freeze frame it straight away, so the credits are rolling and she's just giving this weird look down the down the <laughs> camera. It's like, wh- I mean, what's he doing behind the camera that she's not reacting or saying anything? It's just for effect. And then they eventually freeze frame it and like. Took us time to get there. <laughs> they could yeah. have done that ten no, seconds. She was in. posing for a, for a photo. Yeah. He didn't tell her that it was a video. <laughs> and of course, that that classic, moment, classic TikTok joke, it doesn't matter because that moment is Phil Collins singing that's against it, the yeah. odds, right? <laughs> so, like, I mean, that and that's the song that actually made me want to watch it because I was driving into the city and that came on. I'm like, oh, I could watch that movie. <laughs> there you go. See, we take our inspirations from anywhere we can get it. Against all odds, go back and watch it, everyone. It's fantastic. That's in a. It's an imprint box set, isn't it? It may be. I don't have that one. I just I rented it on YouTube. Oh, okay. Th- and it was a good. It, it was a good copy. What I, I think believe. it might be in one of those neo, one of their neo noir box sets. Somehow. I probably do have it and just haven't realised. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You've actually got it on Blu-ray. Yeah. I went and paid for that fucker. <laughs> <laughs> That's going to be like after we stop recording, we're going to go have. Yeah. One. Okay. Uh, and then we're going to watch it. <laughs> and then we're going to watch it again. Uh, look, similarly to you, I, well, I I caught up with a movie that I. I had put off seating. I had no interest in watching it when it came out. 
I, cu- I couldn't care less about the actual incident. Yep. And I just thought the movie was going to be a piece of shit. <laughs> and I wasn't watching it, despite the fact that it, it contains... There, there are two things in it, or two two people, two creators, uh, that, who I love, yep. who are in it. But I still... I was like, no, this <laughs> is going to be terrible. But then, thanks to the power of TikTok, which... I think I've mentioned it on the show. I do not have a TikTok account, <laughs> yeah. but I do have the app. So I just you watch. I just scroll through the the opening thing uh, yep. at the beginning, You're and they, they were just showing clips <laughs> clips of this film. So I, I thought, you know what, this actually looks pretty good. So mm. I'm going to watch it, and that is uh, 2016's Sully. Oh yes, Sully! So fantastic, the, like directed by Clint Eastwood, starring Tom Hanks. So I love Clint Eastwood. Yep, I love Tom Hanks. Yep. So and yet I just had I just thought it was all going to be about uh, Tom Hanks being a drunk, like <laughs> saving everyone, and then the airlines crucifying him because he was a drunk. And that was flight with Denzel Washington. And that's flight, yeah. <laughs> and then and then I just saw all the clips of them in the mm, of, in the kind of courtroom thing during the in- inquiry, yeah. And him owning them, especially yeah. who like I love this guy. His name's he plays the kind of one of the villains, the, 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 there are three main kind of villains who work for the airline. They yep. work for the insurance company in the airline. Yep. And it's Mike O'Malley, Jamie Sheridan from The Stand, and, and a gun from... Uh, uh, Saul? Yeah, Better Call Saul. Yep. Well, from the other one. Breaking Bad. Breaking yeah. Bad. Yeah. Uh, that's the newest, the latest thing yeah. she's been in. And that Grace Point. She's, in, she's pretty good. She's in a Seinfeld episode. It's, it's Seinfeld's not back on TV. Amazing. And I saw her, she was like much younger. She's in it as, as one of his girlfriends. Early Seinfeld is the smorgasbord for actors that we didn't know that were going to be stars. We didn't know we were in it, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I saw, um, I saw uh, Constance, Constance Zimmer play, just playing a waitress in a th- completely throat like for two minutes. And I'm like, there, oh my God. There is a podcast to be had where you go through the Seinfeld episodes and get those people on your show on to talk show to about talk their about. walk-ons. <laughs> but no, now A-listers, but let's talk about your walk-on. Yeah, on the, yeah your walk-on <laughs> on Seinfeld. Uh, so basically, I mean, look, so basically the movie, the movie is basically about the flight, whatever the hell it is that uh, had to, <laughs> that crashed into the Hudson, that landed in the Hudson. The the pilot saved everyone. They like an amazing job flying it, landing it without anyone dying, which is virtually good, unheard of. That's a good moment in and the film then, too. And then as it comes through, you kind of realize, and they basically say it in the movie that yes, it's great for the passengers. Great for PR, terrible for the airline, terrible for the airline's insurance company because basically that plane is yeah, fu- he like we need a scapegoat yeah, and yeah. they they desperately search, they want to blame him yeah, I don't know really know why like the insurance company just want like, what does it matter they still have to pay out I know even if it's the pilot's fault yeah yep. but they you know and there's a lot of st- like I couldn't have cared less about all the stuff actually on the flight with <laughs> panicking and but the the inquiry the inquiry scenes. Mm-hmm. Are amazing. Yep. Like they're really good. And that, especially that, um, he plays a villain in, like he's in Justified and he's in a bunch of stuff. And I've also seen him in sitcoms as like the goofy brother in law and stuff. But that, Mike O'Malley, he's the guy you love to hate. He's so good as a kind of vicious, kind of asshole character. Um, and it's them just trying to blame um, Tom Hanks and Aaron Eckhart, who plays the co pilot. Yep. And then them just going, hang on a second, you guys are idiots. <laughs> What about this? Like you haven't ac- accounted for this or this. Like we had no, and they're like, you know, at first they're saying, oh, the second, you know, the, our engineers predict that the second engine didn't fail. He's like, no, it failed. Yeah. No, well, we can't find it. So, yeah, and they say it probably didn't. And then they do find it. Oh, yeah, it did fail. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you know, and all this kind of stuff. And it's great. Like just watching them really stick it to the airline. 
So a, a highly enjoyable film. Like once again, it's one of those movies I had no interest in seeing. Yeah, yeah, none at all. I just even though it was Clint Eastwood, even though it was Tom Hanks, I was like, this. Who cares? Yeah, yeah. Well, you know what? Like, firstly, um, what I want to say there is what I liked most about this film was the fact that, well, firstly, the Aaron Eckhart monologue at the end is amazing. It's good. But also, I love that they let him have the last word, not the Tom Hanks not character. Tom Hanks. That, that was a bit of a flip on what you would expect. Well, that's the the, the the weirdest thing, and I like I didn't watch any of the Sully stuff when he was on Letterman and all that yeah. kind of. I didn't hear how he talked and all that kind of stuff. And yeah. you know, Tom Hanks can be a bit unreliable when it comes to his like Elvis. impressions, like Elvis, yeah, like his <laughs> Colonel Tom Parker, Parker and stuff. <laughs> he just does his own thing with them. Yeah, but he's very much a. Like he's got, seems seems to have this didactic memory, mm. and everything is like you know, Look, yeah. like he's very precise. Like he's not thinking about it. like you know we're playing that game earlier, and <laughs> we're trying to think of who the actors are in Inglorious Bastards. This guy has these. It was ninety degrees, and you know, <laughs> he's got a Rolodex. Ten, like he's yeah. got it fucking in his head. Like he knows every. He knows in and out. Yes, it's and like it's almost like he's memor. He knows exactly what he's going to say, and he's and memorized it and practiced Hanks, it. A Tom bunch Hanks of times. is the right kind of personality to pull that off too. Like yeah. there's, uh, yeah. When Tom Hanks is good, he's fucking great. And look, you you want to believe Tom Hanks? Yeah, you do. You um, so awesome. the other thing I want to say is I really enjoy uh, Clint Eastwood at that stage in his career because that's now what. 12 years ago, maybe. I'm just glad that he resisted putting himself and his <laughs> high pants into it. He, he could have been the pilot. He could have been selling it. <laughs> That's he right. He could have done it. But um, he made Richard Jewell around the same time, and I really liked that one. That got, Richard Jewell is great. A similar s- thing, too. Like, yeah, you know, a true story. He did make that stupid like where train one, the, the power of the, the, was it the 127 to Paris or whatever. Um, interesting oh, concept. Heard of that one. It was about that, you know, that uh, train terrorism attack and the Americans foiled it. They uh, they jumped on the, the actual terrorists and, and brought them down. Do you remember that? No, not at all. Anyway, so what what was clever about the film, or, or audacious I should say, is that Clint Eastwood made the film and had the actual people that were the Americans that made the the foil put them in the film as the actors. Oh, right. And, but the problem with that is they're not actors, right? Yeah. Uh, anyway, anyway, it's a good concept film, but it's not a great film, but anyway... Awesome. There we go. Recommendations. Oh, the 1517 to Paris. Yeah. That's the one. So those actors in it are the actual act, the, the people. I should say the 317. Why don't they just say 317 to Paris? <laughs> I don't know. Uh, but all good things come to an end, Ben, and so does this episode of Ben, evidently. <laughs> Thank God. <laughs> Top effort, mate. I had fun. Yeah, it was good. <laughs> Thank you for listening, everybody. Um, you know what to do now. I'll remind you once again. We're all going to go to our uh, imprint box sets and <laughs> check if Against All Odds is in there. Yeah, and if not, we'll just listen to Phil Collins. Yeah. Right? <laughs> I'll guarantee you Ben will listen to Phil Collins on the way home. <laughs> 100%. But it will be like Jesus He Knows Me or something. It won't be Against All Odds. <laughs> but yes, do hit up our social medias and uh, all that kind of stuff. Let us know what you thought of this show. Subscribe, share, all of that stuff. I could not possibly end this show without a Phil Collins doozy. And it is Against the Odds. Against the Odds. Because the second I listened to it and watched the film, I knew that that was going to be how we take this out, baby. <laughs> <laughs> and if you don't like this song, uh, or you switch it off before it finishes, then you're probably not human or your taste in music sucks. <laughs> you're dead inside. <laughs> Have a great week, everyone. See ya. How can I just let you walk away? Just let you leave without a trace When I stand here taking every You're the only one who really knew me at all. 
I dip my old man pubes in the jar. <laughs> <laughs>